Alrighty, so my message today is about living life with a prophetic perspective. And for those of you who don't move in the prophetic, I'm not saying that you have to become prophetic or pursue the prophetic gifts. Uh, Paul does tell us to pursue eagerly uh, to prophesy, but that's not at all what I'm talking about today. I want to talk about living a prophetic life with a prophetic perspective. You know, we need to do two things in life generally as believers. We need to understand the times that we live in. And um, we need to understand what the Lord is doing in us and through us. You know, if we don't understand the times we live in, then, you know, we'll have Jesus weeping as he did over Jerusalem saying, you know, you, you, you did not know the time of, of, of your visitation. And we end up missing the Lord like the Pharisees did. And there's so much to change in the church um, in general, in, in, in regarding to that, but that's back in Luke 19. And then we must understand what the Lord is doing in us and through us. We need to understand those two things because if we don't know what the Lord is doing in us, then we cannot partner with Him in our transformation. We have to be able to partner with Him successfully. And some of what I've done over the years is just help people show them really what season the Lord has them in and what He's doing in their lives and how they can better partner with Him. I think sometimes I've walked through life very confused, <laughs> like, Lord, I have no idea what you're doing right now. I just know it's hard, and it's sore, and it's difficult. And then we need to know what the Lord is doing through us, because we have a mission. He's given us assignments in life, and so we need to know what He's called us to do. Um, and if we don't know those things, we're going to lose a lot of things in life, and particularly, we won't be effective. God has called us to be effective. He's called us to uh, be light and salt. And that's who we want to be. So I want to just say to you if, you, if you don't live understanding the times and you don't live understanding what God is doing in you and through you, then there are at least two failings, I think, that we will experience in our lives. Without a prophetic perspective, we will live reactive lives. Okay? And really what happens there, things happen and we respond. Things happen and we respond. We live a, we, we live a reactive life. And that's not what God called us to be. In Deuteronomy 28, you know, God said that I've called you to be the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. Okay? So we're not called to be reactive. We're not called to be the tail, you know, that is wagged by the dog. The, the head chooses the direction, the tail just follows along. God has called us to be above and not beneath. And I don't believe we're called to have, uh, have a life that reflects us being reactive to circumstances. We don't see that in the early church. We don't see that in life of the believers. Um, and, and particularly, you know, we're called to be overcomers. We're called to be more than conquerors. Um, and that's been a real challenge. As I've looked at particularly this last year, I think I've been really surprised at, at sort of how reactive you know, people, and particularly in the church, the body of Christ, have been to all that's gone on. Um, and, and that's been just, you know, there's been so much fear, there's been so much anxiety, um, almost an epidemic of anxiety and a lot of timidity. And I was just surprised by people saying, you know, look, God, is, God has me on a mission, God has me on an assignment. Yes, these things are serious in life, but we will face serious things. The early church faced serious things. You know, I can, I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. And I think part of that is asking, you know, First, asking God, Lord, what do you say about what I should do versus what everyone else says about what I should do? And I think we have to be people who are living from that place, asking God first, what do you say, Lord? 
I'm told I have to do this or I should be doing that or whatever. And that doesn't just apply to what we've experienced in the last year. I think that it applies to us in life in general. We have to be people, Romans 8, who live by the Spirit. And, um, and that means we, we ask God first. And I think sometimes what's come out of particularly this last year is I think a lot of our foundations have been exposed. I've seen some areas in my own life like, oh, gosh, I thought I was more solid in this area or that area. And, um, you know, I don't think it's always been pretty, uh, particularly in the church. And so the second thing that we lose if we don't live with a prophetic perspective, besides living a reactive life, I think we'll live a very natural life. There's a horrible word in, in Scripture that I don't like. It's, it's a carnal. It's a carnal life. It's a life which we live, which is not by the Spirit. It's just lived out of our flesh. And, um, you know, Paul rebukes the Corinthians in his letter to them, and he says in chapter 3, he says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able, for you are still carnal. For where there is envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal? Are you not behaving like mere men? And I think that was just a real, um, just a real wake-up call that we are not called to live as mere men or mere women. We are, we are filled with God's Spirit. We are called to live an overcoming life, a transforming life, a life in which people look and say, gosh, I want to be like her. I want to be like him. Um, they, they have peace. They have joy. What is going on in the midst of their circumstances and my circumstances? Their life looks very different to my life. And that should be the thing that attracts Christ and uh, attracts them to Christ in us. And uh, I think very much it's been a picture of the of the USA church. Uh, I don't know many churches, but uh, some of the churches that I have frequented and watch online and so on. Um, I think we just live with a very much lower perspective than what we should, and God is calling us higher. You know, we cannot we cannot use carnal methods to achieve spiritual ends. Um, if you spend any time with me, you will find me beat that drum quite regularly. You cannot use carnal methods to, to achieve spiritual ends. What I mean by that, I'll just say it blunt. Uh, I'm going to say it bluntly to you. I just believe that the era of big screens, skinny jeans, and fog machines is done. It is done. It is done. And the same also applies to spiritual celebrities. It's done. Beloved, it is done. God is done with men, particularly men, maybe some women, but particularly men, taking his glory, taking all the adulation for, for, for themselves. And the Lord is done with it. And, you know, we end up living reactive carnal lives with a focus on the natural. And it's just living way below our calling, what God has called us to. So I hope that makes sense to you. I don't believe we want to be people who are following Jesus who want to live like that. I don't want to live a reactive life. And I don't want to live a carnal life. I want to live a life by the Spirit. So let's just talk a little about what that looks like. So I really only have two points for you. The first point is, if we want to live life with a prophetic perspective, we need to understand our assignment. Okay? So, so that's really understanding the overall arching reason why God has put us on the earth. Okay? For example, if we look at... Um, Jesus, he understood his assignment. He knew why he was here. You know, 1 John 3 says, the reason the Son of God appeared 
was to destroy the works of the evil one. That was the overall arching assignment over the life of Jesus. He knew that's why he came, that's why he was here. And um, I think it's helpful to distinguish sometimes between what is your purpose and your assignment. We all actually only have one purpose, I believe. It's Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done. Your kingdom come, your will be done in our lives. And that, 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 that is formed into a mission of Matthew 28, as Jesus said. Go therefore into all the world and so on and so forth. I'll, I'll, I'll read that later. I'm sure you're very familiar with that. But what that translates into in our lives is assignments. God has given assignments to us. He's looked at Rob and said, gosh, he came to Christ. He came, he's part of my family now. And now I'm gonna give him this assignment based on who he is. This is what I'm gonna assign to him. And so what we see happen, and hopefully you've noticed it in your lives, is as God has assigned things to you, he attaches to that assignment what you need. We call those callings, that's Ephesians 4.11, the fivefold ministry, apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. And then he attaches giftings to our lives as well. They're given by two different people, by the way. So Jesus assigns the callings, the Holy Spirit gives the gifts, 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, the, the, the many gifts. And that, those gifts are given and those callings are given to us in order for us to actually walk at our assignments successfully. So we see that Jesus knew that, and you know, in his obedience, he ended up conferring on us a kingdom. That's what he came to do. He kept saying, the kingdom of heaven is near, the kingdom of heaven is near. And then the kingdom finally came, Jesus fulfilled his commission on the earth, he fulfilled his assignment, and we ended up in having a kingdom conferred on us as he had conferred on him. And we see it not just in the life of Jesus, but we see it in the life of Paul the Apostle. Um, you know, the Lord is strange. You know, I once heard someone say, God can be weird. Don't add your weird to God's weird. <laughs> and, um, you know, only the Lord would send a rabbinical scholar to the Gentiles and he'd send the fishermen to the Jews. You know, <laughs> scripture says the Lord's ways are beyond searching out. It seems, uh, it seems that there's a good example of that. But if we look at the life of the apostle Paul, you know, he was told by Jesus just after his experience on the road to Damascus, I'm gonna encounter you and you are gonna, you're my chosen instrument to the Gentiles and I'll show you, he even showed him how much he would suffer for his name, okay? And so, so Paul knew what his assignment was, okay? You will never find in scripture, Paul saying, pray that I don't suffer. I'm gonna go to Corinth now, pray that I don't suffer. He never says that. He'll say things like, remember my chains, uh, pray for an open door for the gospel. He, he took suffering as part of his assignment. He knew it was part of what he was called to experience in his life. And, um, and then we see him just living his life out with just this laser focus on what, on what God had called him to do, not getting distracted, not getting re derailed or rerouted. He lived with his assignment in mind. And then Paul does the same thing to Timothy. I hope you're seeing that pattern here. We have Jesus, then we have the apostle Paul, and then those that Paul discipled, in this case, Timothy amongst others, um, doing the same thing, telling him to be faithful to his assignment. I'm gonna read here from uh, the first, his first letter to Timothy, chapter one. He says, Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, 
so that recalling them, you may fight the battle well, holding on to a faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected, and so have suffered shipwreck with regard to the faith. So he's really saying, Timothy, go to war with your assignment that's been, that's been declared over your life by God. Okay? And uh, being faithful to our assignments and, and discovering and understanding what is the assignment God has given you. And sometimes he'll give you assignments over time. I'm, I'm going to discuss some of that, make it really personal. Um, but that's what we call, we have to understand what our assignment actually is and what God has called us to. You know, I think, particularly in this culture, I moved to America 20 years ago. 9-11 is a very significant time for me. I will explain to you in a little while why. Um, but just moving here, things, things are very different. I'm, as, I, as Ryan told you, I'm from South Africa, so... We do strange things like just show up at the houses of friends without announcing ourselves or calling. I remember showing up at the first group of folk from our church, and they're like, why are you here? And I'm like, we're just in the area. It's like, we didn't have anything set up. I said, it's okay, we can leave. <laughs> but, um, you know, one of the things just, just, just I, I think just coming back to the whole carnality thing that I was talking about earlier, the... I think there's been such a choice, particularly in the church that I've seen, of people choosing platform over purity, people not being authentic to actually who they are and what God has called them to be, being attracted by things, people choosing persuasive words over spiritual power. And there's been such a distraction to these things and in these things for uh, mostly men, some women, I'm sure. You know, I look at the Apostle Paul, you know, we have this this man with this, this uh, gigantic intellect, you know, I, I, I believe he had memorized the first five books of the law by heart. You know, he goes to the Corinthians and he says, I resolve to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. The gospel is simple. I think we sometimes complicate it so much, add so much to it. You have to do this and it has to look like that. And Paul's like, I came amongst you only to basically say, Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and He was crucified for your sins. And uh, he goes on to say that my message and preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith may not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. And I just feel, for us, we just need to come back to the place of saying, is our faith resting on God's power? I experienced the power of Christ in my life 35 years ago. Looking back, I have friends who said, you were either going to be dead by 21 or you're going, to, you're going to be following Jesus. I'm glad it was the latter. But, but truly, I think there's a lot of persuasive speaking out there. People are taught how to speak in particular ways. And the Lord is saying, no, it's, 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 about, it's about power. Power is what transforms us. Persuasive words don't transform us. And, um, you know, a couple of chapters on, Paul goes on to warn the church that he's, I think Paul had some gangster in him. He goes on to warn the church, like, I'm going to show up for a showdown. I'm going to show up for a showdown. He, there were arrogant men. Um, what a surprise. Uh, there were arrogant men in the church, and it says, yeah, I will find out not, not only how these arrogant people are talking, but what power they have. For the kingdom of God is not about, is not a matter of talk, but of power. And I think that's very, very significant for our time that there is a lot of talk. There's a, you know, I, I moved to America. The one thing that blew my mind was 
The television was always on everywhere. You went to the restaurant, there was a TV. You went to the airport, there was a television. You went to the restroom, there was a television in front of you. So many talking heads. And um, I just really feel the Lord wants to bring us back to, is there power? Is there power in your life? You might talk a good talk, but is the power of Christ manifest in your life? And I actually believe that the Lord is bringing forth a generation of men and women, not a physical generation, but a, a, a body of men and women whose lives will be and, and whose characters will be beyond dispute, that they will live and be uh, Christians, little Christs. And I hope that we are some of those. So, <clears throat> yeah, I will, I will say this to you, that you, know, you can have the world if you want to, but I really want power. I used to say, I want power like, a, like an African dictator, but it's probably not a good thing to say. But uh, I really do. I really seek out the power of God, and I want to see the power of God in, encounter people, which is how I kind of got into the prophetic in the first place. Um, so I think our mission is very clear in Matthew 28, what Jesus said, what we had to do, where we had to go. But it's also been very neglected. And uh, we cannot fulfill our assignment on the earth without the power of God. We need the grace of God and we need His power, you know, and um, without the Holy Spirit and without His assignment, we're pretty much fumbling around in the dark. We have to be careful about that. The second and last point I have is, you know, we need God's perspective and His prophetic perspective to walk out life daily. Okay, so Jesus didn't only have this overarching banner of His life of the Son of God. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the enemy, the works of the devil. He also lived it out on a very micro basis, a, a very moment by moment basis. And we see that in John 5, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He does only that which he sees the father doing. That whatever the father does, the son also does. Isn't that interesting? What a prophetic perspective. Jesus saw everything done before he ever did it. That was quite interesting to me. He, he walked out on earth what he had already seen in the spirit. And even at, his, at the end of his life under great to rest, Jesus maintained a prophetic perspective. How do we know this? Well, he says in John 12, he says, now my soul is troubled. He's about to go to the cross. And he says, my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason that I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. And so it's just really important when we live with a, a perspective of having an assignment over our lives and the prophetic perspective of what that looks like. We don't try to get out of things. I find so many, particularly young believers I used to disciple, most of their lives just were, were spent trying to get out of bad situations, difficult situations, or trying to avoid pain. You know, and most of what I've learned over the last three and a half decades is that the Lord takes me through many more things than around anything. Um, Anyway, I've also sought to live life with a prophetic perspective, and uh, I'll tell you a couple of quick stories. In 1999, the Lord began to speak to me about coming to America. Um, that began to get confirmed through some prophetic voices in my life that were trusted people, men and women that I trusted. And um, so we began to pray, and uh, the Lord began to open up, make things more clear to us. One of the things was that He spoke to me, He said, uh, the window is going to open, but it's going to open very narrow and for a very short window of time. So you've got to get ready. 
So uh, I said, okay, Lord, what does that look like? I spoke to my beloved wife and we prayed about it. And <laughs> so what you don't know is I lived a mile from the beach. In fact, I lived a mile from the Indian Ocean, right on the tip of Africa and two miles from the Atlantic Ocean on the, basically a sandbar. And uh, so anyway, I felt that the Lord said that we should sell all of our beach toys, just sell everything because I wasn't gonna be coming back either. I felt that quite clearly. The Lord was gonna open the door and I need to be ready to step through into the next assignment as he opened the door. <laughs> so, in, of course, we're Southern Hemisphere, so December is our hottest month. Sunshine, go to the beach every day. And I still remember the girls. Uh, I've got two girls, Grace and Faith. And I still remember them coming home from elementary school and opening the garage and saying, Dad, where are all the beach toys? because I'd sold everything. I said to the Lord, if this is you, one buyer, one price, no haggling. I told one friend. I didn't tell anyone else. There was no Facebook. And uh, sure enough, a guy shows up a week later, opened the garage. He says, uh, how much do you want? I told him a number. He said, I'll take it. He showed up. Anyway, the kids showed up at home. They're like, Dad, all our beach toys are gone in the middle of summer. And people are asking us, like, why are you selling? It's like, because we're living with a prophetic perspective. God has made clear to us what the next assignment is. We're getting ready. Anyway, fast forward through 2000, we get to 2001, and uh, we book our ticket on the 2nd of September to come to America. And nine days later, I'm standing in the canteen at our office in Cape Town, and I see the Twin Towers on fire. So I call my wife quickly, and I say, honey, turn on the television and take a look. And she, she says, I've got the television on, the, the Pentagon's on fire. I'm like, oh my gosh. And I just said to the Lord in that moment, I said, Lord, has the plan changed? And he said, no. And we were the first flight out of South Africa into Atlanta airport, uh, 10 days after 9-11. Remember they grounded uh, the airlines internationally and so on for a period of time and uh, we, we had to go to the airport eight hours before our flight anyway followed by a 17-hour flight to America thank you so that was a bit that was a bit rough but my point being if I didn't have a prophetic perspective of the assignment that God had for us I always said this is this is not a good time I had a house in Cape Town I had a really good job and so on and so forth but I knew that the Lord was opening this door and that we were to step through it and it did open very narrowly, and it did open for a very brief period of time. And um, yeah, you know, so that was, a, that was just an example, just, a, just from my life of living with a prophetic assignment and understanding what a prophetic uh, perspective looks like. Another one that I'll close with before I step into something else is in 2008, the Lord was so kind. I'd had a really hard five or six years in America just personally and professionally. We were establishing a business right after 9-11. And I have many, many, many stories of God's goodness and God's faithfulness, but it was a very hard time. And, and 2008 hit the financial crisis. <laughs> and again, when we live in the grace of God, seeking His, His will and His way first in our lives, then it opens us up to what His perspective is. And so I was praying the one day and I just felt Him say, you can take the next three years off. I want you to take the next three years off. You'll never have them back with your daughters. And um, I'm like, but Lord, there's a, there's a financial crisis at the moment. What should I do? He said, I'll take care of the business. You can put the business into neutral. I'll take care of it. 
you've got three years with your daughters. About two weeks later, my neighbor called me and said, you know anyone who, who, who wants to buy a boat? My brother's selling his boat. I grew up on a river, so I know all about boating. And so for the next two years, I just took my girls out on the boat with all their friends, called in in the morning, who wants to go boating? And uh, the Lord was just so good to us. And so we were just basically had three years of rest in the middle of a storm, you know. And I said to the Lord, like, you never did this. He said, I rested in the middle of a storm. Remember when he fell asleep in the boat in the middle of the storm? The storm blew up. And uh, God has been so good to us. And we get to live from a different perspective. You know, I, I really believe that um, your life won't make sense to others when you live from this place. I had family calling me and saying, you shouldn't go to America. I've had issues in America and every the family saying, you should leave and come back to South Africa. It was only my family, my immediate family in America. Everyone else is in South Africa. Um, but you won't, you won't live you know, a life that others expect you to live when you live understanding your life from a prophetic perspective. I want to really encourage you in that. You know, there's a chapter in Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23. Many people know it. Let not the wise man boast of his wisdom, nor the rich man boast of his riches, and the strong man boast of his strength. But then him who boasts, boasts about this, that he knows and understands me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness in the earth, for in these I delight. But many, not many of us know Jeremiah 10.23. So Jeremiah 10.23 says, a man's life is not his own. It is not for man to direct his steps. And I think when we choose a prophetic perspective, we're saying, Lord, direct my steps. Direct my steps, please. Lead me into, into your way, what you have for us. I just believe that we are headed into times of great change. Um, I believe there's a lot of societal upheaval and a transformation in the nations of the earth, not just in America, ahead of us. I believe there's gonna be a time of great creative destruction that we're gonna enter into. It's gonna both be in the country and it's gonna be in the church particularly. I believe the Lord is separating out the sheep from the goat churches. There's a sifting happening within churches, the church movements and within the body of Christ itself. And um, I just think for many people who find themselves sitting on the fence in church, they're gonna soon find the fence electrified. There's just a lot of things the Lord is shifting. It's a, very, it's a very sobering time as I pray prophetically about Lord, what's coming, where we're headed, what's going on. And I don't tell you all this to bring you into the place of fear, um, but just to understand the spiritual reality. We need to understand the times we live in because then we can be effective and say, okay, Lord, what do we do? How do we respond? We wanna be salt, we want to be light um, because we are, we are called uh, I just believe there, um, I believe there are challenge, great challenges ahead, but there's also going to be great glory ahead, of, uh, ahead for the church and power in the church, restored to the church like we've never seen before. And I think they're gonna come together. I don't think it's one or the other, and they're not serialized, that, that they will be together. But it will be quite a tumultuous time. And I would just say to you, for me, this is a, a good reminder in my own life of am I living from my own perspective or am I living from a spiritual perspective, from a prophetic perspective? I'm a, I'd like to share a quick word, Ryan, if, if I still have enough time. I, I won't be long with this. I was praying about Vineyard Florence and so I said to the Lord, would you give me a pers pr prophetic perspective of, of, of your church? And um, 
that was really asking more where have you been, where you are, and where you're headed. And uh, I'd, li- I'd like to share that with you. It's, it's not all pretty, so don't try not to stone me afterwards. I would appreciate that. But, um, but I believe it's from the Lord, uh, and I'm quite open to correction if I've got anything wrong. So the first word I got was uh, the word distraction. I just felt that the body um, and, the, and the church in general has been in large part distracted um, the past several years, more than, more than two years for a period of time. And I just felt that for some of this time, um, a gospel was preached that was no gospel at all. I'm not really part of this church, obviously. I, I, I don't have a Facebook account. I don't look at stuff. This is what I feel I heard from the Lord. Um, the scripture that came to mind was Colossians 2, uh, verse 8, that says, Beware lest anyone take you captive through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world and are not according to Christ. And uh, <clears throat> I think there was some of that operating in, in some measure in this church, exactly what degree and, and where is not of, of great relevance. But I feel that it was not the gospel God wanted preached in this church. You know, Paul goes on to go and uh, rebuke the Galatians for seeking to please people and not to please God. And he says, you know, am I trying to, am I trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Am I trying to please people? If I was still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. And I think we have to realize that. And I think that's what's been some of, my sense is that's what's been some of what's been going on here. And then Paul speaks also along the same theme of distraction uh, to Timothy in his second and his last letter that we know of to Timothy. Obviously, Timothy is his son in in the spirit. He's concerned for him. And he says, join me in suffering like a good uh, soldier in Christ. And he goes on to give him uh, uh, three metaphors. He said, be a good soldier and don't get involved in civilian affairs. He says, uh, be a, a good athlete and run inside uh, within the rules of the competition, and he says, be a good farmer and be hardworking. And, uh, and, and I just felt, I asked the Lord, like, what does that mean? And I just felt him say that if, you, if you're a distracted soldier, there is no protection. If you're a distracted uh, farmer, there is no provision. And if you're a distracted athlete, there is no prize. Okay? And I think it's not just a... a, a concerns for this church. I think it's for the church in general. You know, when we're distracted, our eyes off the ball and we're not doing what we should do. The second word I got was division. I felt that this distraction had led into uh, divisions, maybe even some sort of factions or just, just divisions within the body as a result of the distraction. And then the third word was dislocation. And I felt that... Um, some of you are spiritually dislocated. You know, if I dislocate my elbow, I still have my arm, but it's, it's kind of useless. I can't do much with it. It's, it would be very painful to use and move, and it, has, it does not have the full functionality and mobility that it needs. And I just felt that the distraction had created division. The division had caused spiritual dislocation. And what I really felt about that was that... Um, some of you are not in the position God wants you to be in this body at this point in time, that he has positions and places and roles that, that you haven't yet stepped into. Um, and uh, 
Yeah, so that's what I felt was where you've been. Uh, I know it's not very pretty, but it's, it's, it's an honest, uh, prayerful account. Where you are, I felt um, the first word I, I felt I heard was redirection. Um, I, I feel that the church and the leadership of the body is writing, getting the ship back on course. Um, and this is largely going to take through the activities of repentance and reversal. So repentance is about turning, okay? That's really what the word means, to turn away. We don't repent by confessing something. We repent by changing what we do. And the second is reversal, which is really to undo things. Um, and I just felt that the Lord in His grace is releasing a spirit of reconciliation amongst you. Um, and that this uh, redirection is going to lead into a, a restoration amongst you of God's kingdom purposes for the body and get you back into your original assignment. I, um, <coughs> I'll close with this, <coughs> and then we'll transition into a time of prayer. I felt that as you transitioned into, uh, through redirection into restoration, that the Lord was gonna bring about a radical devotion amongst you. I really feel that the Lord, I felt when, when this church was founded, uh, that there was an original purpose and plan that is yet to be fulfilled. Um, and I, I asked him for a, a, a verse on this, and uh, he gave me Haggai 2. And I just want to encourage anyone, if you were here when this church was founded, uh, like maybe you helped found it or you were here when it started, I, I just encourage you, if, if you're willing to stand up, I just want to, I want to just read this and declare this over you. Um, <clears throat> so this is Haggai chapter 2. Oh, bless you. Thank you. Wonderful. Wonderful. So on the 21st day of the seventh month, this is in the Hebrew calendar. Did you know this is actually now? This is September. This is actually, this word given to Haggai declared over the people was actually declared in a September, what we would consider a September in his time. On the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, the governor of Judah, to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people. Ask them, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? But now be strong. Be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. And work, for I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when, I, when you came out of Egypt. My spirit remains among you. Do not fear. And then he goes on to say in, in a couple of verses down, I want to read this, I want to close with this. He declares, the glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. And I feel like some of you who founded, who were here when this church was founded, I feel like you've wept over this body. You've wept over what's happened in this church. Um, and what, if you don't know the context of this chapter in Haggai, really what, what's going on here is he's saying, uh, these are the remnant who have returned from Babylonian captivity. And so you've got the youth group who've never seen the temple and you've got these, 
these uh, seasoned people who, who saw the, uh, the, the original Solomon's temple, they've come back and now they've built a new temple and they say, gosh, this temple doesn't look nearly as impressive. And so you've got the older generation weeping and you've got the younger generation celebrating. And it says they did both so loudly you couldn't tell the difference between the two. But I really feel that the Lord would declare this over you today. And so I just want to invite, if anyone else, we're gonna transition to a time of prayer now. I want to say this to you. <clears throat> the only safety we have is in full surrender. The only safety we have going forward into what is ahead of us is in full surrender. There is no other option. I can guarantee you that. And if you would like to live a, a prophetic life, if you would like to live life with a prophetic perspective, or perhaps you felt distracted, perhaps a distracted word has hit you and personally in life you've been distracted, or perhaps you felt divided in this body. I just want to encourage you in any of those areas, or perhaps you just say, Jesus, I want to be all in for you. Whatever it takes, I want to be all in. I just want to encourage you to stand up. I want to pray for you because I'm in exactly that same place. I'd like you to stand up now. I had an encounter with God back in May where everything changed. Everything changed. I had to lay down everything again. Prophetic ministry, deliverance ministry, small group, discipleship relationships, the Lord said, lay it all down. And so I just want to pray over us and then uh, we'll go from there. So Father, we just put out your hands if you'd like to receive. Father, we just uh, come before you in Jesus' name. Lord, we confess um, that many times we have lived with a lower perspective. We have lived reactive lives. We have lived natural lives, Lord, and kept our eyes on what is happening on planet earth and not looked and, and said, God, what are you doing? What are you doing in the earth? And what are you doing in this time? And Father, I just pray for every person present here that, that they would begin to live, Lord, with your perspective. That as I ask you, you would answer them in great and unsearchable ways, Lord, that we do not know. You would speak to them. You would make known your will and purpose in their lives, that they would begin to live, Lord, those overcoming lives, those more than conqueror lives, Lord, that it would be said of them, gosh, the people have turned the world upside down are now in our city. Father, I ask that you would do this. Oh, I pray for everyone, Lord, who uh, uh, is feeling dis distracted, Lord, either has been part of the distraction in this body, Lord, anyone who's feeling divided, Lord, where, there, where there's just pain in relationship, Lord, where there's been a dislocation, um, and people who feel that they were called to be here but aren't in the place that, that they feel that you've called them to be. Father, I just ask that you'd come and pour the oil of your Holy Spirit on their lives, on their hearts, Lord. Father, we submit ourselves to you. We say your kingdom come, your will be done. We want to be like Jesus, Lord. Those and, and his disciples, those, Lord, who are faithful, Lord. We know at the end of Paul's life, Father, he said that I've kept the faith I've, I've run the race, I, I've, I've won the prize. We want to be those. So Lord, I just ask, whatever it takes in our lives, whatever it takes in our lives, Lord, we, we, we choose to full surrender, full surrender to you, Jesus, full surrender to you, that in that place, Lord, we might have heaven's safety, heaven's security, heaven's perspective, and heaven's provision, Lord, we ask these things, Father. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. If you'd like personal prayer, feel free to. Uh, thank you.